A week ago, it looked like three American teams in Major League Soccer were going to advance through the group stage in CONCACAF Champions League. But just like that, only one team is through to the knockout stages. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Another long week. A lot of stuff going on, and it's the last week of the regular season in Major League Soccer. It's crazy, man. Just like that, Ivis. Where did this whole year go? You got me. It's been a blur. I think the World Cup always makes things a little uh, go by a little faster as well because you're having so much fun with the World Cup that you kind of lose track of, lose track of things and the two months fly by. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always like that you know, these on the this, these years in particular. Um, but you know, there, there's still a lot to a lot to be played in this weekend, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a lot of drama both in America and around the world. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, especially for Major League Soccer, you still have teams competing for a final spot in the West, teams still jockeying for playoff position. Uh, before we get into all that, though, Ivis, CONCACAF Champions League group stages ended this week, as we said. I mean, it looked pretty good. Also, you know, you're thinking pretty good about yourself. The Mexican teams are kind of hitting the slide. You're thinking Portland, Sporting, Kansas City. Things are looking good for them. They get knocked out. D.C. is the only American MLS team to go through. Montreal is already through. But, I mean, Ivis, just unfortunate that only one uh, American MLS team is through to the uh, through 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 the group stage in uh, in Concacaf Champions League. Right, I mean it's definitely a, another disappointing year for MLS in, in Concacaf. There's no other way to say it. Uh, Kansas City, the the latest to fall out, they fell out Thursday night. They lost to Saprissa two 0 Obviously, a very tough place to play down in San Jose, Costa Rica. Uh, we all know about Estadio Saprissa and how how the environment's intimidating and how it's you know one of the toughest places to play, but. Uh, I, th- I found it interesting that obviously Sporting KC fans are going to be upset and they're going to look at it and say, well, you know, we had injuries. We were missing a lot of players this year. And, and that's fair. That's all fair. They had their issues that, that made it tougher for them. But, you know, I'm going to go back to something that I've said before and, and I'm, sh- I'm definitely not alone in this and, is that this is, you know, this is still on MLS uh, as a whole, just these failings. Um, and it comes back to the need for the league to step up when it comes to salaries step up when it comes to rosters and teams having strong benches. And until the league has deeper and stronger benches, uh, we're going to have these issues because, you know what, these teams have to compete on multiple fronts. They have to worry about the MLS playoffs. And that's another thing, As an ex- you know, people can say, oh, it's an excuse, but it's reality. MLS teams, uh, when it's getting down to the group stages in CONCACAF Champions League, MLS teams are dealing with playoff races and playoff pushes, mm-hmm. something that none of the other uh, – something that Costa Rica's not, not really dealing with and something Mexico's not really dealing with. I mean, obviously, they're, they're fighting for their own leagues and, and everything, but uh, it, it's just a little bit different when, you know, you're a team and you, ha- and you have your priority, which is the league, and then you, and, and that, there's nothing wrong with that either. I know some people have kind of gotten upset about that, uh, about why teams prioritize the league over, over the, the Champions League, and it's just that's just how it is because it's still – the league is still more important than the Champions League in this region. I mean, obviously in Europe, you know, teams uh, more often than not will, will will make the Champions League the priority. But getting back to it, MLS, this has to be another message. They have to step it up. They have to start spending more money um, so that uh, it, it closes the gap and it helps it helps teams get deeper and stronger and able to cope with issues like injuries because injuries happen. 
Oh, you agree. I mean, and you're exactly right. Look at the Portland Timbers, Ivis. They have a massive game this weekend that's going to be ter- determining their playoff future. Yes, they they you know they they had a few starters sit out from their match uh, this past week, but I mean it's it's difficult for these teams. And I think for a team like Portland, I mean you, you want to make the playoffs, but you also want to make Concacaf Champions League. It's it's a it's a tough catch twenty two for a lot of these teams. Um, but I mean, well, uh, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's just a, it, it's interesting with Portland because I know their fans were really upset at uh, the decision by the Timbers to, to not field all their starters. Uh, obviously, looking ahead to the weekend's uh, important uh, showdown with FC Dallas. But, I mean, come on. like The, the Timbers are going to – the priority is the playoffs. The priority is the MLS playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I know Portland's chances, uh, when you compare the two scenarios, uh, the, the chances at the MLS playoffs, you could argue, were tougher or the odds were greater – uh, were not as as good as the odds of, of qualifying for Concacaf Champions League, but that still doesn't change the reality, which is that MLS playoffs are the more important thing. You can make a run in MLS the way the playoffs are structured. If you get in, you can get it all. You can go all the way and win the whole thing. Just getting in, even as the last seed in the playoffs, you can get in and win the whole thing. Um, and it's still just more important at this point in things uh, than the Concacaf Champions League. So I mean, I don't, I don't see anyone can can just you know want to knock Portland or not KC or knock any of the teams who who choose to prioritize MLS play at this point that still matters more what needs to be looked at more is the fact that you know what if you want to help these teams battle on multiple fronts you gotta you gotta start spending more money that that's what it boils down to uh deeper rosters um I and mean, when you look at when you look over in Europe it's it's a whole other thing you can you know if you're you know, one of the top teams in Europe, you know, if you're Barcelona, Real Madrid, and you can go into a Champions League game uh, or a league game and sit key players but yet have stars coming off your bench, it's a whole other, a whole other galaxy that you're dealing with, a whole other planet. Um, but, uh, you know what, hopefully hopefully with the CBA, it's a, it, we'll see another step towards stronger rosters with, you know, we all everybody expects the salary cap to go up, and hopefully it does. Uh, congratulations, though, go to D.C. United, Ivis. Think about this. They finished first out of all teams in seeding. I mean, what a turnaround for them. They won, uh, they, they won all four matches in group play. And, uh, I mean, what does this mean for D.C. United to be able to – I mean, it just it – just, Ivis, it's just another cap in the feather for them from going worst to first, winning the East and now finishing first in seeding in the CONCACAF Champions League. I mean, what a turnaround for them. I know it's early in the morning, Garrett, but it's a feather in the cap. Feather in the cap. What did I? What, what, what did I say? Cap said, in the feather. You said cap, you said cap in the feather. That's right. He's, <laughs> sorry, folks. He's all drunk on uh, on uh, cold medication or something. Thanks, Ivis. So, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, it's it's obviously an accomplishment, but it doesn't really mean anything. What matters? I mean, it doesn't mean anything in the big picture for them because what matters now is the knockout round. Getting out of the knockout round should not be this thing that. MLS teams uh, thump their chest about because the way the tournament is set up, you're supposed to get out of the group stage. And that's the, that's really the sad part when you look at the fact that there's only one American team yeah. left. They, the, the way the structure was set was changed, um, MLS teams don't have to deal with Mexican teams anymore. Right, they have it's them, and then non and the rest of the groups are usually non Mexican teams. Obviously, I think DC's group was easier than uh, a lot than all the other American teams when you look at it. Um, you know, the Red Bulls had Montreal, which whatever you can say about their struggles, Montreal's still an MLS team. Um, you know, Sporting KC obviously had Saprissa. Um, Portland had uh, was, City, was City Olympia. So, so I mean, they all had tough, 
tough, te- uh, you know, tough teams, tougher teams that DC had to deal with. So, but still, credit DC, they got the job done, they got the results. Now the work begins. Now the real accomplishment can be can be pulled off by DC because they need to make a run. They're, they're the last man standing, and, I, and I'm not trying to ignore Montreal, but again. Um, DC's the lone American team, and DC's the lone team that received the bid via MLS. Because again, for those who don't remember, Montreal got into the Champions League uh, via the uh, the Canadian Championship, which is is not at all related to MLS. So DC, they're they're kind of flying the flag right now for the Amer- for American club soccer. And uh, you know they they they've got to make a run. They're no if they if they get knocked out in the quarterfinals. It really, none of this really mattered. The whole, you know, getting the mm-hmm. top seed, winning their group, none of that matters. They have to at least get to the semis and and then uh, have a good showing in the semis. They can't go and get blown out 4-5-0, like, and I don't think they will. I think they have a good team, and, um, you know, they got a pretty good squad. And, again, this, it, 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 a, lot, a lot of the issues with the, the, the layout of the tournament uh, don't help MLS because when you look at it, um, let's just say D.C. wins in their quarterfinal. Um, they're still early. They're still in preseason. Exactly. They're still early in their season. The game, the, the semifinals would be in like March, uh, when let's just say hypothetically they're they're playing a Mexican team. Uh, uh, you know, Mexican teams are are three months into their spring seasons by then, so it's not easy by any means. But you know what? DC they've got weapons. They've got they've got a nice squad, a veteran squad, and they just might they just might. Uh, be able to pull it off in a year where, or in a tournament where it feels more wide open than it's ever been. You only have two Mexican teams left. Now, Club America obviously is a powerhouse. And, and when they decide to put their weapons into the Champions League uh, or decide we're going all out, we want to win this thing, we want to go to the Club World Cup, then you instantly install them as the favorites because the seeding the seating doesn't mean anything. You install Club America as the favorites. But you know what? DC has a chance to make some things happen. Uh, it's, yeah, you're right. It's crazy to think that the next time TC's going to be playing, this, these games will be probably the first week of March when they're gearing up for the uh, 2015 season. Uh, Ivis, moving on from here, last weekend of MLS action, as we talked about, lots happening. As we said, teams fighting for playoff position, uh, teams fighting for the number one seed, and, and look, one of the games that everyone's going to be probably paying attention to is Seattle Sounders versus LA Galaxy, which the game will be in Seattle. You got to look at this one, Ivis, and say, even though Seattle did come back from their from the last game when LA was up 2-0, game ended in a 2-2 draw in LA. I mean, you got to say, Ivis, there's a lot of pressure on the Seattle Sounders at home to be able to deliver and defeat LA Galaxy for the number one spot in the Western Conference. I don't really spend a lot of time talking to uh... – Factoring in things like pressure when you're talking about a team like Seattle, I mean they're, they're a veteran team. Clint Dempsey's played in a few World Cups. I think he can handle some pressure. Obafemi Martins has obviously been around the world, playing some of the top leagues in the world. What is he gonna, you know, is he gonna be nervous about, about this game? Not at all. So, uh, you know, this isn't college soccer. This isn't, uh, you know, U U18s or development academy. Like these are professionals, and these are not two young teams. These are two veteran teams and i get it yes the quote-unquote pressure is on seattle but it's an opportunity that they've been waiting for and they they've put the work in this season to get this opportunity and now it's there in front of them they have a chance to win the supporter shield at home all they need is a draw uh but it's not gonna be easy because i'll tell you what the galaxy as we've talked about their 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 stacked team they're so dangerous robbie Keane, when he's on he's he's virtually unstoppable in mls um so We'll see what happens. It's gonna. I, I think it's really a coin flip. And and again, I, I I feel like I said this last show, but I'll say it again. 
no matter what happens in this game, no matter no matter no matter who wins this or comes out, I, I still don't I don't think this is necessarily going to factor into who ends up winning MLS Cup. I think it's two different things. I think these teams can beat each other uh, on any given any given Saturday, right? Um, so you know, don't I, I would say don't read too much into this and and, and as foreshadowing of the cup. Uh, I think this right now, this weekend is going to be about the Supporters Shield, and then once it's over, then you know if they take care of business, like I think most people expect, uh, I think it's going to be a completely different ball game when we get to the Western Conference Final. Uh, FC Dallas, Ivis will be hosting the Portland Timbers. This is a big match for both teams, as FC Dallas would like to be able to leapfrog. We also like finish third in the Western Conference. Portland Timbers, Ivis, on the outside looking in. They need a win here and some help to make the playoffs. What are the chances that Portland goes in and takes all three points from FC Dallas? Um, it's possible. Um, you know, they're 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 such a frustrating team this year, right? Because they have the the tech, they have the weapons to, to score on anybody to put some goals up. Um, but then, you know, their defense, we know about their defensive issues. That sometimes they, they can't stop anybody. I mean, sometimes they give up multiple goals to, to even the worst teams. Uh, but then also even their attack, even as, as, as fun as they are to watch, as much as they knock the ball around and Valeri's a magician and you got Rodney Wallace doing his thing uh, and obviously Darnsey Nagby, they have these games where they just don't put the ball in the net. So, you know, it's all on the line here. And, and I'm sure Caleb Porter will have him ready. And I'm sure he is going to, um, put them in a position to win this game. And I actually, I think they will win this game if their defense doesn't have an absolute meltdown. And you never can tell with this team this year mm-hmm. whether or not the defense is going to actually show up or just get lit up. So, you know, I think for me, if I'm putting my money, I would nervously put my money on Portland to win. Nothing against FC Dallas. Um, but I just think, you know, they, they're in. Um, I know they some they still have the number three seed to play for, so from that standpoint, it's not like they're going to lay down. But I think a desperate Portland team uh, will get a re- will find a way to get a result. But you know what? That's the the thing is that it might not even be enough, and that's the that's the yeah that's the tough part. And and maybe that if anything, maybe that reality will make it that much tougher even for Portland because you know they have to know that you know what even if we win this game, we might be done. Well, Portland's going to need a big effort from. As you said, I mean, Valeria, but I mean, Rodney Wallace has been on fire for them. Three goals in the last four matches uh, for them. Let's just say hypothetically, Ivis, that Portland does not make the playoffs. Well, what is the meltdown going to be up there like? Uh, I mean, you know, we already saw that. We already got a taste of Merritt Paulson's yeah. Twitter uh, rampage the other night. Although, to be fair, I think he was he was facing some pretty, pretty uh, pointed stuff coming from, from some irate Timbers fans. And also from the Timbers Army uh, Twitter account, and I always find it interesting when people, when individuals take over the Twitter accounts of organizations and start tweeting questionable stuff. Um, that, that's always that that's always, that always leaves you shaking your head a bit. Obviously, Mary Paulson's one. <laughs> Mary Paulson's never been one to shy away from a a, a, a Twitter scrap, a Twitter uh, argument. But I tell you what, I mean, what. Uh, I, there's going to be some serious questions, but I, for me, I think Portland is just going to come right back and double down. I think Paulson is going to, you know, go out and try to get them, uh, you know, the pieces that they need. I mean, he's not afraid to spend money. They, they have this. Uh, obviously, they're going to add the USL Pro team, and that's going to help them in some ways. But I think they realize they need to go get, uh, you know, some big ticket players. Liam Ridgewell didn't really work out, and that's going to be. Well, he's he's okay. You know, is he a designated player? I mean, that's. You know that that's the thing with them. They were so desperate, looking for a defender to mm-hmm. be that be their stud anchor center back type guy, 
Um, and at the end of the day, that is what they felt. Sh- that's the biggest problem with them this year was that they just didn't have that person step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ridgewell's been okay, but I, you know, for me, for next year, I, I, I think they're going to go back to the drawing board again, assuming Ridgewell's contract's not guaranteed beyond this year. If it is, then obviously they're, they're going to have to look at other things. But I think Portland, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think you're going to see a massive shakeup because they're committed to Port- Caleb Porter long term. I think he's a good. I think I still think he's a good head coach. I don't think this this year is necessarily all of a sudden means that he's not a good head coach. But you know they're they're clearly going to have to make some changes. They they can they can. <coughs> oh, sorry. They can pump up their defense a bit. <coughs> Getting sick here, man. I think you're. I'm catching whatever you got. Yeah, through 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 the internet connection. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Skype. I got the Skype flu. It happens, but, man. <laughs> but I will say, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. But you know, when you think about it, though, Roddy Wallace. You know, he he didn't start the year off. He obviously was still coming back from his injury. They lose Will Johnson at the end of the year, which is really 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 bad timing for them. Uh, I, I don't think they need to make a crazy amount of changes. But I do think they need some big pieces, and if they, you know, I think they still have at least one DP slot available. I think they need to go and get at least one, if not if and if possible, two uh, big time players. Now, moving over to the uh, Eastern Conference, Sporting Kansas City will play host to New York Red Bulls. New York obviously with a win here and some help can finish third in the Eastern Conference. They did play this past week in Concacaf Champions League, but New York, I mean, they put out a reserve league squad. Uh, none of their big starters played rather than sporting Kansas City, who had some of their big names playing that loss to Saprissa. Look, here's here's a thought, Ivis. When you look at sporting Kansas City, think about this. Their last win over a playoff team was on July 19th versus the LA Galaxy. Since then, they have wins over Toronto, Toronto, Chivas USA, and the Chicago Fire. They haven't been in the best run of form. Does sporting Kansas City need a victory here to maybe lift them up and give them some momentum heading into the playoffs? Honestly, I, I, again, I... Some of this stuff is a little cliched, you know, for me, because they're the MLS Cup champions. They don't need a result. I mean, it helps, right? It helps. I mean, obviously, it's better to win than lose, but they don't need it. What they need is to play better They, they in general. And when the playoffs come, they're going to face a tougher level of opponent. Uh, the Red Bulls are, are coming in. Uh, I think for me, I'll tell you what. The KC, I think that they'll show well here. I think at home. They, they have something to prove from the standpoint of they can't let everybody come in the sporting park and just beat them, right? I mean, DC United beat them up there. Uh, they've had a, a few losses there when they used to be a fortress. It used to be a place nobody could get a result. But, you know, I, I don't think they need a result to avoid a meltdown. I think for me, if anything, I feel like uh, an early exit almost feels inevitable for them. I just think this is a year where a lot of things have gone wrong for them. And last year, everything went right for them. So... You know, sometimes it's it's not easy to to kind of to fight the odds for multiple years, and and I think this year we've seen it all happen. I mean, they obviously Jimmy Nielsen retired, they lost Chance Myers, they lost Michael Parra, they lost Kai Kamara last year, <clears throat> they obviously lost Yuri Rozel, uh, and the you know Claude, Jorge Claudio says the replacement didn't quite really fit the bill for them. So I think this is gonna you know no one in Casey's giving up yet, but for me I just don't feel. I just don't feel like this is their year. The, the, everything that's that with all the stuff that's gone on, with all the extra miles they've had to put on their legs, uh, they're really coming in. It's so funny because last year they came in really rested. Peter Ramiz did a masterful job uh, managing minutes and having his guys peaking at the right time. And it's the exact opposite now. Mm-hmm. If, if anything, they're coming in a tired team in bad form. 
And other than Dom Dwyer, there's <clears throat> I don't know who you can look at on that team and say, yeah, that guy's really been killing it all year. It's not. It, it's just tough, man. And it, it, it and I, I it's funny because I, I was chatting on on Twitter or exchanging tweets with with some KC fans last night, and I, I remember telling one of them, it's like you know, years like this. Uh, are what makes years like last year all the sweeter. And it, it's why you have to appreciate the titles that your team can win and find a way to win. Because you know what? Not all the years end up going that well. There are going to be these years where you have multiple injuries, where you have guys who just disappear or guys who just don't step up or guys who get sold, like Yuri results. So you know what? I, I, I think for me, I don't see them – I definitely don't see them winning MLS Cup again. They're not, I don't see them repeating by any means. And I could really, definitely see them going out, or going out in the, in the early stages of the playoffs. Uh, New York, though, on the other side, I was. Uh, I mean, what type of playoff team can they be here? Can they make a serious run? Nah, you know, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, th- I think they're a little inconsistent. I think they're still too reliant on Terry Henry to, to kind of be the st- the straw that stirs the drink. I know everybody looks at the stats and sees Bradley Wright Phillips and his big goal total. <laughs> yeah, he must have won um, everything by himself. No, no, but I mean, it's just he, his, as good a year as he's had. Uh, it's still all about Henri and uh, and how the rest of that midfield uh, produces. And, and I, I don't know, man. I just they, they're way too inconsistent. And and when when I look at the top three teams in the East, right for me, so you got DC, New England, and Columbus. Those are the top three. And and I know it hasn't shaken out yet. I know KC could still end up the third seed. I know the Red Bulls could even still end up the third seed. But for me, as of right now. Going in the playoffs, I think it's going to be one of those top three teams, and and those three teams, they don't have the star power of of a Red Bulls, but they have been consistent and they've been playing well as a team. They have balance, uh, and I just don't the Red Bulls. I just don't see that. I know they had some great results toward the end, um, and a lot of stuff went their way during that stretch. Seattle resting their guys, DC getting a red card, KC came in on bad form. Uh, a lot, a lot went their way on that run and kind of, ma- uh, you know, masked some issues for them. Um, but I tell you what, man, w- when you have a, when you have Tim Cahill, <clears throat> obviously kind of in limbo now with them. He does, you don't get the sense he's going to start, or or is he going to start? Is Pecky going to, you know, shake things up? Is he going to try to without Tim Cahill on board and playing well? They're not going anywhere. They're not. They'll be in the playoffs, but they're not going that far because. They need the Tim Cahill that we saw last year. They need him back because you need that that other that other player next to Henri kind of making things happen. And and yes, I get Wright Phillips has had a good year. I get it, but I think I still think you need you need Cahill if you're going to do anything. And right now, you just don't feel like like he's there. You don't feel like he's 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 dialed in. And I, and I know he. You know, he, he he has all the tweets and all the Instagrams and, and all that that make you feel like this. You know, he paints this picture of, of harmony and everything's fine. But you know what? When you're around the team and you're in the locker room and you, and you kind of get the vibe, you don't get that sense. So unless unless Tim Cahill gets on board and starts playing like people like we know he can, it's going to be a short playoffs for the Red Bulls. And staying in the Eastern Conference, Columbus Crew, Philadelphia Union. I guess three weeks ago, this match looked like it had the potential to be a must-watch final game of the season. But unfortunately, it's not. Philadelphia's out of the playoffs. Columbus is in. I'm forthcoming. A loss for the Philadelphia Union against Columbus. I mean, it'll be the final nail in the coffin for them and just kind of their roller coaster type season for them. Uh, well, I think the focus is Columbus, right? I mean, I think they're playing really well. Um, you want to see what kind of form they, they're in going into the playoffs. 
Uh, as I said last show, man, I'm on the bandwagon right now with them because you see the quality of soccer that they play, the system that they play, the confidence they're playing with right now. They're going to be dangerous, man. They're going to be a handful. Um, as for Philly, you know they're going, they're they're playing out, playing it out right now, and and it, there's so much uncertainty going into the off season. I mean, Jeff, you know what? I, I obviously I reported it weeks ago uh, that Jim Curtin's going to have the job. I know there's this whole kind of thing going on where he's still calling himself the interim. Um, but you know what? It, if he's not the head coach this you know this off season, I, I would be highly highly surprised um he's going to be the guy they're going to give him an off season they're going to give him and chris albright a chance to rebuild things but there's a lot of question marks you know Amobi Kugo, is he coming back marisa do is he coming back it's easy to forget he you know his his deal was alone and you know they still have to work out you know the the, the outright purchase and it's not cheap by any means it's gonna it's pretty pricey so uh you know there's issues there obviously the goalkeeping situation you've got zach mcmath by all accounts my sense is that he's gone he'll be out of there um so there's a lot. There's going to be a lot to talk about, a lot, lot to answer for this offseason for Philly. As for Columbus, Columbus wants to go into the playoffs. Uh, you talked about, uh, I think it was, you talked about KC and them, you know, do you want to get a win for momentum? Uh, for a veteran team like KC, it's like, eh, I don't really feel like you need that. They just won MLS, they're an MLS Cup champ. You don't really, I don't really think that's as big a deal. For a team like Columbus, a younger team, a team that, had, you know, a lot of its guys haven't been in the playoffs uh, before. I think the, the 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 need for momentum is a little bit greater for a team like Columbus, and that's why I think, um, you know, I'm, obviously Greg Berhalter wants to win every game, but I'm sure he looks at this game and says, we want to go in on the right note. Uh, we want to go in feeling good about about how things are going, and, and the way they've been playing lately. What are they six? They're six two and one in their last nine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're rolling right now, and and at home they're gonna they, they've been playing really well. So I mean, I think as much as Philly's gonna be playing with no pressure, Columbus I think is gonna show why they should be taken seriously. And I think I think people are still sleeping on them, but I think I'm telling I'm trying to tell people you got to worry about the Columbus group. Uh, New England Revolution will play host to Toronto FC back to back years for New England. Uh, to make the playoffs all of a sudden, it's just like that. Adjermaine Jones, Lee Wynn starts heating up. Man, New England looks like a really possible title contender. I mean, what about them, Ivis? I know you're giving some love to Columbus crew, but I mean, how dangerous can New England be in the playoffs? Oh, of course. They're, they're, again, we have to talk. Now, when we talk about the East, I, and I said it, there's, I think it's a three-horse race. I think you can put D.C., uh, D.C., New England, and Columbus. You can put them in a hat. You can pull any one of them out, and I think any one of them could end up coming out of the East. Um, D.C., you know, obviously their favorite. And New England, with the way they've been playing, the way Lee Wynn's been playing, uh, you got to like their chances as well. I- I'll definitely say this. They-, they have more than a 1% chance to win it all this year for any New England fans who, who remember last year when I gave them a 1% chance. They're- I'll give them much more than that this year. Uh, yeah, I, re- I, think, I think I remember that from last year. You don't, you don't remember a lot from last year, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 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 but look, look the way he's playing really well. Lee Wynn is playing, uh, playing like an MVP. Uh, right now he's got my vote. Um, Robbie Keane had my vote. It could still go either way. I think it's it's between one of those two for my money. Um, but yeah, no, of course, New England has a chance. They have a chance if they get into the final two. But I don't know. For me, the lack and, and look, Charlie Davis. Credit to him. He's, he's he's had a nice year coming back. But you know, they don't have uh, a twenty goal guy. They don't have a. Uh, I mean, Lee Wynn is obviously their go-to guy, but he's like a midfielder who's having an outrageous year. But the lack of a striker who who really strikes fear in opponents, I think it's kind of – you look at that and you say that's a little bit of a weak point. And obviously Columbus has the same issue. 
no offense to Aaron Schoenfeld, but he's not striking fear in anybody. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, no one's got a puncher's chance, no doubt about it. But I think that's if you look at D.C., and you want to say, why do you like them a little more? Because I think Espindola and Eddie Johnson uh, are the difference and, and are why they more than likely will be the team that come out of the East. Which is crazy, too, because you know, going into this season, I mean, you expected Kellen Rowe and you know, Diego Fagundes just to kind of take their game up to the next level. And I mean, they've had good years, but they haven't had, I guess, the years that you know, we all kind of expected them to have after how good New England looked in 2013. Um, still have weapons. Yeah, for, 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 look, Fagundes is not having a good year. I mean, I, I I don't think you could spin it any 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 way, especially last year. I mean, he set the bar so high. Uh, I think the natural idea was like, oh, he's going to take it. He's going to have thirty goals this year. Maybe that was a little unreasonable, but you know, he he came nowhere close this year. Kellen Rowe, obviously, you know, he was out for a while. He's back. He's shown he's shown his quality. He's still obviously a threat. Can't forget about him uh, by any means. But um, but I, I don't know, man. I think I think. I like their midfield. Obviously, what's not to like? That Jones win combo is nice. Their defense yep. is, is a little underrated. Um, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. Uh, I just think for me, well, DC probably DC's probably you know as as deservedly so. They're the they're the favorite. Um, but any of those three teams, I really think any of those three, three teams can come out with the East. Uh, well, staying in the Eastern Conference, DC will be on the road. They'll be taking on Montreal Impact. I guess in this one. With Luis Silva out for the next few weeks, looks like he'll be missing the majority of the playoffs unless DC can make the finals. Uh, I mean, all eyes are going to be on kind of Eddie Johnson and see how he'll remesh back into receiving, you know, significant more playing time with DC United. Right. I mean, I think it is an important game for him. Um, we're not going to get too much into this game because look, it's a mismatch. DC should win handily. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think Ben Olsen's going to rest guys necessarily. But no, yeah, Eddie Johnson needs to get rolling. He needs to show that he can click with these guys. Because, look, no doubt about it, Luis Silva was clicking with that attack, clicking mm-hmm. with the midfield. Him and Espinola were, were, were really on the same page. So Eddie Johnson needs to show that that he, he – need. I mean, look, let's not forget, the guy's on a big contract. They spent they, they, they gave up a lot to bring him in. Now is when you got to show it. This is this is the time of year. you got to step it up and show that you are the guy. And, and, and I'll bring this up, uh, the whole Brian Ching – uh, dust up where, where where Brian Ching kind of pointed out that you know uh, he plays and it's a reality, but you know sometimes the truth hurts. But he pointed out that Eddie Johnson obviously plays much better when he's playing for a contract than he's not, and I don't think that's uh, you know I don't think that's a rare thing. But Eddie Johnson needs to prove that he can he can get it done even when he's not playing for a contract. He needs to show go out and show that he is a guy who can deliver. So uh, not just this game, but for the rest of the playoffs, he needs to show that. Uh, Chicago and DC, they'll be taking on each other. Ivis this weekend, a final home game for the, well, it's final home game for everyone, but final home game for Chicago Fire. Uh, thoughts on this match, man. Both teams, uh, who had bigger aspirations at the beginning of the season, both missed the playoffs this year. Chicago, Houston. Is that what you said? Yeah, Chicago, Houston. My, my apologies. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Houston's playing out the string. They got to figure out who their next manager is going to be. Chicago will be keeping Frank, uh, Yallop. Although, I mean, you ask yourself why, right? I mean, why do you – I mean, the guy had a whole year. The, the the team didn't show much growth at all. I mean, other than like Quincy Amaraqua, uh and obviously Harrison Ship. Harrison, although I don't think anyone should have been surprised because he, coming into the year, I thought he was a clear-cut rookie of the year favorite. Um, but there's, I don't know, man. There's not a lot to feel good about here in Chicago, right? I mean, yes, you want to see Ship grow, but as a team, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not – I'm, I, for me, Frank Gallup, you got to give Frank Gallup 
you know, a couple months in the next season, but the, the pressure's got to be on him. And I know people in Chicago will probably think, oh, no, the revolving door and co- at the coaching position gets a little gets a little stale. But you know what? You have to keep it rolling until you find a guy who's really going to build something there. And, and as of right now, I don't know if Frank Gallup's done that. And as far as Houston goes, I don't, I'm very interested to see who takes that job because, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's still a good job. And uh, Houston has, has a decent amount of talent. So I'm, I'm, curious, I'm very curious to see who Chris Kennedy hires. Who, anyone on the short list do you think would be good for them? Uh, I don't know what the shortlist is. I don't know if there's an official official shortlist. I mean, there's obviously uh, you know names that are linked. Uh, you know, whether you know, Steve Ralston, uh, John Spencer. Um, you know, for me, a guy like Richard Williams, I always I always put his name in. I think he he's someone who deserves a shot in the league. Uh, someone like Dennis Hamlet, who's kind of long gone, hasn't coached uh, in the league in five years, and maybe he's maybe the ship sailed on him. But I think he never. I think he got a bit of a raw deal considering the, the job he did in Chicago and considering how Chicago has looked since he left. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who, who, who they have in mind. Uh, Chris Canetti, uh, you know, it's, it's on him now. Vancouver Ivis will be uh, hosting the Colorado Rapids. I give the Rapids a probably 0.01% chance of pulling any points in, in this match. Vancouver will be back in the playoffs. Uh, first time since 2002. And, uh, I mean, Ivis, what type of team can Vancouver be in the playoffs? I mean, can they pull off a couple upsets here and go on a run? Uh, no. I, I, I don't see it, honestly. I mean, I think, look, they've had an exciting run. And, obviously, even a month ago, I had them written off for the playoffs, as I think most people did when they lost to Portland two, two times in blowout fashion. Um, credit to Carl Robinson. I think he's done a good job rallying the troops there at the end and getting them in, into this position. Um, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to beat Colorado because, let's face it, Colorado is the worst team in the league right now. They they are, just with the results of the second half of the season, they are absolutely the worst team in the league right now. And I can't see them putting up much of a fight. So with that being the case, Vancouver, if they win, they're in the playoffs. But, nah, I, you know what? I, I think on the road they're too much of a liability. I, I think you get them against Seattle or L.A., they're going to get crushed, especially on the road. So, you know, and, and that's fine. I mean, they, I think they're a young team. Carl Robinson in his first year, I think, job done getting to the playoffs, mission accomplished for him as a first step. And then we'll, you know, they'll go into the offseason and see what they have to build on. Uh, you know how MLS works, Ivis. Colorado's going to go out and just hose Vancouver like 5 1. The Portland's somehow going to sneak a victory over FC Dallas. Yeah, you know, you know how, I, I you know know. how, you know how I, MLS I works, know. man. I know, I know. It's always the result you least expect that ends up happening. So, but we shouldn't talk about it because if we talk about it, then we're kind of killing the jinx. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, nah, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, this whole Zat Knight thing, it's like I, I said, I said it day one. Zat Knight was not going to be the answer, and I think I think people now in Colorado realize that he's not going to be the answer. So, uh, you know what? The the sooner the season ends for the Rapids, the better. They've got a lot of young talent. Uh, you know, what, Dylan Cerna, Dylan Powers, uh, Marlon Hairston, uh, even uh, all Shane O'Neill. I mean, they've got so many uh, good young talents uh, coming up. Um, Jared Watts had a lot of playing time this year as a rookie. But uh, but Pablo Mastroeni just get, has to get back into the drawing board. And look, their front office they've got they've got to do a better job with the international signings, right? I mean, uh, you can say what you want about injuries and whatever, but you know what? Go get yourself some an impact guy like Diego Valeri or, or Javier Morales. You need to start doing. You need to do that. It can't just be uh, all right. We're stockpiling these young talented players. That is not enough to win in MLS. You need to you need to hit a few homers on the international market. 
You need to you need to to, to find a few gems, and they ha- they just haven't done that. So uh, pressure's on them. Pressure's on their front office because you know what? It, it, it's it's one thing to go hire a young guy like Pablo Mastroianni that's no head coaching experience. Another thing altogether to not give him the weapons he needs to actually have a chance. And I don't think I don't think they've done that. In the final game of the Western Conference, Chivas USA, San Jose, Ivis still be competing for the worst team in the Western Conference. Both teams at thirty points. Who do you think is going to win this game? Well, look, this is the, that's that story here. The story is that this is the last game of for Chivas USA, right? I mean, and that's I, also I, true. Yes, good point. That, good that, point. That, that's it's it's the farewell, and uh, you know. I'm getting a little sad. Now. I'm getting a little misty. No, not, they'll, they'll, <laughs> they, dude, they'll be back next year. Come yeah, on. It, that's possible. That's actually possible. But they'll be back. I don't know, man. It's not a given. Um, well, look, I mean, I don't know. We shouldn't even talk about this game. This is a disaster. Um, <laughs> you know what? It, it'd be nice to see Tommy Thompson, uh, you know, get a, get some burn and maybe end the year uh, with a good a good result. Um, I want to see what Don Kinnear does with that team. I really do. I want to see – uh, next year, what 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 moves he makes, what kind of freedom he has to really build that roster. Him and John Doyle obviously are, are like best friends. So um, I, I think the future is bright. San Jose, as bad a year as it's been, you got a new coach coming in with great credentials that is a proven winner in MLS. You got a new stadium coming on board. You got Tommy Thompson, one of the most exciting young players uh, in the league. So you know what? I think you know what future is bright. But uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone should watch this game that doesn't have to. Well, the playoffs will start with the knockout rounds, Eastern Conference on October 29th, Western Conference on October 30th. After this weekend, Ivis and I will be back next week, and obviously we will preview the MLS playoffs. So, Ivis, ending that, another year for us, year two in the belt of the SBI show covering Major League Soccer. It's uh, it's quite nice, but we need to move on. Tons to talk about on today's show. Speaking of future things, Manchester City Ivis reports are coming out that New York City FC could be taking a trip to England to train at Manchester City's brand new $300 million training facility. I mean, how nice is that an agreement if you're playing for New York City FC and you get to go over and have this quality facility to train in? Right. I mean, I don't know. Does it matter? I mean, uh, they can go anywhere and and, and find a nice facility. I don't think it's that big a deal. I think the the bigger issue here is are they really going to let Frank Lampard extend his loan uh, it passed the, the the original time frame. I mean, he's done well. Uh, Manchester City could obviously use him. Uh, so you know, I'm curious to see what happens there. Um, there's so many so many un, un, unanswered questions with with NYCFC that uh, you can't. I don't know how worked up you get about them having a chance to go train in England. How about let, let them build a line, let them build a roster first. That's uh, that that's got me a little more excited to see what happens in the expansion draft. Well, the other thing I do find it funny about Frank Lampard, I mean, you know, what was everyone saying? Oh, he's done, he's done. It's amazing. He's a good player. It's it's amazing how everyone sees this as, you know, you're coming to MLS, it's, you know, it's a death sentence for certain guys like him. I know that conversation came up for Pirlo. But, I mean, look how good Lampard's doing. It's 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 it would be nice to see him in Major League Soccer, but I mean, I what are the chances that he actually stays though? Do you think he will be coming playing here next year? Oh, of course, man. He's under contract. That's not a that's a no that's a non-starter. He will be here. He's, there's, there's a lot of money in, in, in involved. Uh, anyone who actually thinks that he might not come is that's insane. He's going to be here. He'll be, and I think he'll do well, and, and he'll he'll, uh, he'll play his part to help NYCFC get off the ground. And over on Gold.com, Ibis, you put together actually you put together some nice pieces. If anyone did not check out your interview with Greg Garza, go check that out. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the one you just put out, the MLS under twenty three 
best 11. Uh, you have some good names on here, man. It's crazy to think that some of these guys are still under 23 because they played in the league for a few years. But uh, I don't want to steal your thunder because I usually seem to do that. I'll let you take <laughs> it away and, and kind of you know explain to us the reasoning behind your uh, under 23 best 11. Well, I really just wanted to kind of showcase the the younger talent in the league and give people a sense of how much how, how much young talent there is coming up uh, coming up in MLS and you know for as much as we we, we might knock them and, and knock the league for not doing enough when it comes to player development, the reality is that there is a, a greater role for younger players. I mean, when you think about five to ten years ago in MLS, you wouldn't have this many players, you know, twenty three and under having key roles on mm-hmm. teams around the league. And I think you're seeing that more and more, um, you know, and, and if anything, when I, you know, when I looked at the team, when I put the team together and, and I know there's going to be people who disagree with some of the selections, but I, it, 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 it's not about that really. It's not really about specifically the, the individual names, but you just look, look at the names, look at the group, look at the guys and how much talent there is. And it's pretty good. It's pretty impressive. Um, you know, it needs to get better. There needs to be more coming through the pipeline if the league's going to continue to to stay at a good level as we have expansion rapidly, rapid expansion. We need the academies to, to, to start producing more talent. But, I mean, just look at some of these guys. We got Will Trapp, uh, Harrison Ship, Perry Kitchen, uh, Steve Birnbaum, DeAndre Yedlin. And then, and then you also have uh, international uh, players as well. Matias Laba, who's had an outstanding year in Vancouver. Joe Plata, we all know about. Fabian Castillo, who, you know, some people might might think, might and not even realize that he's still as young as he is, only 22. And then, of course, Jossie's artist. We had a breakout year this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just think it's a good chance to look at look at that. And, and even, you know, so I did the first team, and then I did an honorable mention, which is pretty much the second team. And then on SBI, I did the best of the rest. I actually threw, there, there were even more names out. So you're talking, you know, when you can when you can put a list together of about thirty guys uh, in that age range, that's good for MLS, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. And I will offer the disclaimer that look in the rest of the world, in the higher, in the better leagues in the world, the twenty three is not young. Twenty three at the age of twenty three, you're already like a, you should be an established pro. You should be, you know, you should have three or four years under your belt. Uh, but that you know, obviously, that's how the rest of the world is. Uh, when it comes to, you know, they're obviously their academies are better equipped. The kids at, at 16, 17, 18 are more equipped to hit the ground running on the pro level. So, uh, you know, when you look at an FC Barcelona, when they've got Munir and, and, and Sandro guys who are nine, who are teenagers, 18, 19, you know, coming in the, you, you know, UEFA Champions League games and scoring goals. I mean, that that is what MLS needs to be aspiring to. They need mm-hmm. to be aspiring to having teenagers coming in playing key roles because look you I mean as, as as impressive as my best 11 is you look at it there's no teenagers on it i mean i'm looking at it real quick there's no there's no true teen the youngest guy uh who's the youngest guy on the, on, on the thing deandre Yellen at 21 um will trap 21 so i mean i don't even think there's a 20 year old on and i think that that's the next step i think that's what what mls needs to be aspiring to which is to having kids 18 19 20 uh, make playing key roles, and that and that's you know I know some people got on me about the whole homegrown player story, and that was too hard on them, and they, whatever. And like, no, <laughs> folks, the academies still aren't doing; are, they're not where they need to be. And I know there's the excuse, well, academies have only been around for X years. Like, 
I don't want to hear that. There, a lot of these teams have had academy setups for years. They've, they've so, been around long enough. The excuse does not apply anymore. Absolutely. So uh, people need to stop babying the league when it comes to this stuff and just start and, – and, and they need to start holding the league accountable. No, I agree. And, and, and on a team-by-team basis, the teams have to start holding their academies accountable uh, and ask the question, why don't we have – 19-year-old players ready to step in and play, ready to get minutes, 18-19. I mean, obviously, there have been the off uh, cases. I mean, Perry Kitchen, obviously, he came in to MLS as a, you know, 18, 19 years old, played right away. Um, Andy Nahar, when he first came in, and we saw Andy Nahar score a goal in Champions League. Uh, props to him to see an MLS alum going over there. And, yeah, that was, uh, that was score, awesome. Score a goal against Anderlecht. So, uh, you know what? Hopefully, as... Time goes on. Hopefully next year, the years, you know, hopefully three years from now, when someone puts together a U23 best 11, you're seeing 19-year-olds on it, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds. That, that's when we'll know academies are doing their job. What do you mean? When you put together? Why, why do you make it seem like someone, like you're not going to be around in five years, Ivis? Well, I mean, maybe the league will adopt their own U23 best No, they do, their, they do their best 25 under 25. No, it's 20. Well, no, they do 24 <laughs> under 24 and... Honestly, I think I think well, twenty four is twenty four is just not young. Like that's no, it's the thing not. Like, for it's, me. It's like, a stretch. There's no. It is so. No, I mean, that's. I'm not. Look, I never knock other media outlets. I try not to, but I just think for me, I've always I've always found that number to be a little kind of pointless. To even for me, when I put this U twenty three team together, I was like, you know what? This is kind of this is this is still not quite young. Like last year, I did a I did a twenty two under twenty two. And for me, I think that is the wheelhouse you want to be looking at. That's what you will really show mm-hmm. you the young talent uh, that's out there, um, that's that's producing, that's that's uh, de- yep. delivering on a regular basis. But uh, at least not quite there yet. The, there's more young talent playing, but they need more. They need more because folks, this league is growing. They're adding to they're adding two teams next year, uh, and and Atlanta's coming. Uh, and it can't continue to be about going and buying players. It can't always be because you, you, you're going to end up with a league that's, you know, how many – it's going to be mostly foreign players that are really contributing, and you're going to have, you know, all all American benches and all foreign starting lineups. We'll become, we'll become England, Ivis. Uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there, there's, there needs – you've got to get the, Ameri- the young Americans ready for this next level. Uh, and hopefully, you know what, USL Pro, obviously that is going to help when you have teams that have that 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 kind of mechanism to, to help players develop, young players develop. Um, that's always been kind of a, a hurdle, an obstacle for, for MLS teams is that, you know, we go get these young guys, but we have we can't, you know, they're not quite ready to be first teamers, but, and where do we play them? So hopefully the USL thing will help develop some of these guys quicker. Uh, moving over to the international side of things, Ivis, reports were out a few weeks ago that the U.S. would play Croatia in London. That is off the table, and then just like that, Colombia is in, which is even better matchup for the Americans, and they'll be playing at Craven College, Craven Cottage, excuse me, home of Fulham, as everyone knows, uh, with all the legends there, with Brian McBride and Clint Dempsey. And uh, Carlos Bocanegra, I mean, seems like a fitting place for the Americans to play. And what a test for them to be going against Colombia, who had an outstanding World Cup, one of the best teams in the world. I guess this is a great matchup for Jurgen and his side, which will be on November uh, 8th, I believe. Totally wrong. November 14th. November 14th. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, this is going to be a great pair of games. Uh, Colombia, I mean, you, there's not many 
better opponents at this point in time when you when you look at the quality that they have and obviously James Rodriguez is the star. Uh, you hope he's there and ready to test the U.S. team. Um, so obviously it's, it was it was funny because when Croatia fell through, you're kind of like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, you're gonna have another situation where they just end up not having a game at all. So credit to U.S. Soccer, nice save. They got Colombia, especially after missing out on Colombia in September, and I thought that was a big big loss for them. Um, so now it's gonna be a great test. You got Clint Dempsey, uh, knocking wood. He's there. He goes to Craven Cottage, gets has his return there. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice it's gonna be a great game and I I'll actually be there I'll be in London for that one and I'll be in Ireland I'll be in Dublin for the Ireland game as well so you, well, you're you're going I didn't think you were gonna go I, well at one point I, well I wasn't when it was Croatia but Colombia uh, obviously is a, is a bigger it's it, the combination of of it being Colombia and also this game is on November fourteenth uh, originally the Croatia game would was being planned to be November twelfth. Uh, which would have been a little, you know, wouldn't have worked out, but the timing on this is a little better. Um, so, yeah, no, it's going to be two games, and I, I'm sure you're going to have a good number of Americans making their way over to England uh, to check it out and to, to, to see the U.S. on foreign soil, and you want to see what kind of what kind of support they get. Well, it's also, a, I believe, American, there's a American Outlaws London, too, so I'm sure those guys will be out in full force also. Yeah. No, it, it's going to be fun. I think a lot of uh, it, it'll be interesting to see um a game outside of the u.s where the u.s will have that support and obviously at the world cup this past summer you had you had games where the u.s uh, the ghana game stands out where you had a clearly uh pro u.s crowd Mm -hmm. in brazil and that that was that was great but uh uh, having that in England will also be kind of cool. Uh, a little bit of sad news, though, Ivis, for the U.S. on the international front. They dropped six spots in the FIFA rankings to number 23. I mean, this is this is just a travesty. Fire Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm horrible. Totally, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. It, it, no, it doesn't matter. I, mean, I know, yeah, I know. I, I, big, big, <laughs> look, look, big picture, you could say, oh, but it matters for FIFA, for the World Cup, for the World Cup seeds, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes, but... The World Cup is in four years. It's There's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of tournaments. Um, so the U.S. will be just fine. They'll have their opportunity to regain the places that they've lost. Because if they go to the Gold Cup next year, they win the Gold Cup. They have they go to Copa America in 2016 and do well in the Copa America. I'm not going to say win the Copa America in 2016, but let's say do well in the Copa America. Uh, that, that, that will help. So right now, right now it doesn't matter. And and I know some people might flip out and be like, oh, see, that's what you get for for not winning these friendlies. You're getting punished and, you know, blah, 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 and all the hand-wringing. None of it matters, folks, because there's so many competitions to come between now and the World Cup draw uh, and the World Cup seeding in 2017. Um, so relax. It doesn't really matter. And you know what? 23 is a nice number. 23, you know, you have Michael Jordan. It's like it's a, a very American number, so that's good. LeBron James is also number 23. Who's that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, See, I I grew up with LeBron James. You grew up with Michael Jordan. Uh, Fair. But, uh, no, yeah, no, I know. No, I like LeBron. I I didn't used to like LeBron, but he has won me over. It's funny. uh, LeBron James and Arjen Robin are two guys who I really didn't care for a couple years back, but they they both have won me over. I wouldn't say Arjen Robin's won me over, but you know what? I respect them. I respect him more now than I used to. I thought I used to think he was just cheating diver and just, uh, uh, you know, 
it's kind of a scum of the earth type diving, you know, guy. But and not that he still doesn't dive, but you know what? You can respect the quality uh, that he plays with. Uh, he's just a good player. Uh, also, speaking of the FIFA rankings, just we'll add a little congratulations to Costa Rica, who are now in the top twenty-five. So, congratulations to them. Moving on from big, that, a, a, go big ahead. Year for, look, yeah, we got, big year. We got to give a little, we got a little, little credit here. Costa Rica, heck of a year, man. When you think about it, quarterfinals of the World Cup, and now they have three teams in the Concacaf Champions League quarterfinals more than any other country. So, hats off to the Ticos, man. Big year for them. And, and, I, and I will say this: I find it kind of funny. I remember being in Costa Rica last year. Uh, I was in Costa Rica a couple times last year and, and, and just kind of getting a sense uh, for the people there and how they felt about their teams, not just national team, but Sabrisa as well. And and it's funny thinking last year how they, the, the attitude there was almost like, oh, man, we're a mess. We're going to get destroyed at the World Cup. Sabrisa you know, has to rebuild. So there was just kind of like this down feeling a year ago. And you look at it now, and they're on top of the world. You know, they got to the quarterfinals, uh, you know, pushed the Dutch to, you know, they pushed it to the very limit. Um, and now in there, the CONCACAF Champions League, knocking out MLS teams. So they're, they're, they're in heaven right now. So it's a pretty good time to be a, a Costa Rica fan. Uh, moving on from that, Ivis uh, Sunil Galati spoke about the recent kind of spat between Don Garber and Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, saying that everyone's on the same page. Uh, what did you make of his comments? Uh, it, what was he going to say, right? I mean, was he, <laughs> he's going to back, oh, back Jurgen and say MLS is horrible. Come on, Ivis. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a politician. Everyone knows that. I mean, I could anyone anyone who pays attention could have written his statements out a week ago, and it would have been pretty much the same thing. What you would have expected him to say. So, and that's not to say, and then that's not to mean it like he's lying or, or anything. But it's like, you know, what do you expect him to say? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think. I don't think they're. I don't think Klinsman and Garber are scheduling a fight in an alley somewhere. I don't think it's that deep, but I think there are definitely some philosophical issues there, and I don't think those have gone away. Um, but having said that, uh, anyone who who is kind of trying to push around the idea of, uh, you know, Klinsman's in danger, Klinsman might lose his job, Garber's going to call the dogs on him, it's, it's going to be a mess. Like, no, it's no. Save the drama for the daytime soaps. That, that all that stuff's not happening. Uh, but it, I tell you what, I have been impressed with the. With the uh, continued shelf life of this whole this whole topic, because I mean, I feel like it's a week later, and you still have people chiming in, writing columns about the Garber Klinsman situation, and it's like, let it go, folks. It happened. If you didn't write it then, don't write it now. You missed the boat. Get get over it. The, everything that needs to be written has been written. Uh, you know, there's been some decent pieces out there, and some absolutely ridiculously absurd pieces. Um, but you know what? It, it, it's it's entertainment, and and you know what? Ha, ha, a little round of applause for for Klinsman and, and Garber uh, providing us with some entertainment uh, in a, during a time where you know what things have been a little slow. Uh, keeping it with some positive news, though, Ivis, uh, Aaron Johansson is nearing a return for AZ. As we all know, he went under, I'm sorry, he underwent a little bit of surgery and some rehab this past summer. He returned back and played 45 minutes in reserve league game. Be nice to have him for those international friendlies in November, maybe too soon. But uh, nice to see Johansson back on the field. Even if it's a reserve game, you got to take steps somewhere, and this is a step in the right direction for him. No, a big step. I mean, you want to see him back and see him. Uh, getting back to the goal-scoring ways of last year. And he's, I still think he's going to play a key role at the Gold Cup and, and going forward in this rest of the cycle. And it's it's funny, I'm sure people have kind of just forgotten about him because it's been so long since since he, he was 
scoring goals. And, and, you know, obviously with the national team, he still kind of has to show how he fits there, where he fits in, uh, in Klinsman's plan. So, you know, it's good to see him back. Uh, some bad news, though, Ivis. Juan Agadello, who was on a two-week training period with Wolverhampton, was declined a contract due to ma- due to lack of match fitness. Uh, and what's the latest with him? I and mean, what are his options now? I mean, this just seems to be another kind of hit against him when, I mean, a year ago, things were looking so good. All right. I'm just going to clarify this just from my own info and from what I had the sense I've gotten about this whole situation for, for a while now. The Wolves thing was really supposed to just be an opportunity for him to train in a professional environment to get himself ready for what he will hope to be a, a winter move somewhere, a January move, the January transfer window. When that window opens up, there's going to be opportunities for him. I don't think he went to Wolves going there, looking to impress them, looking to get a deal there, looking to sign it. I never thought – I never got the sense that was the case. And obviously Wolves, you know, they have to obviously – Talk about, you know, if there's a player in with them, if there's a player training with them, it's a trial. In Europe, there is no such thing as, oh, they're just training. It's always a trial. They call everything a trial. So, you know what? Obviously, he was asked about it. And, and, he, and you know, the, the manager, and obviously the manager just, you know, just pretty much gave his honest assessment and thought, you know what? Yeah, we aren't going to go in for him. But that wasn't the purpose of the time there. Wanagadel didn't go to Wolves because he wanted to sign with Wolves. He went to Wolves because he wanted to... Uh, be in, in a training environment because it's just tough being on your own uh, here in the U.S. and, and just kind of, you know, collecting dust. Even if you work out on your own, it's not the same as being in a team environment, which wasn't Wolves provided that for him. Um, but I think I, I think this was a little overblown. I think this is a little overstated, uh, the whole Wolves thing. And, and I know people were like, you know, or people are already in kind of panic mode about Agudelo's future in his career and, what a mess it's been and all that. But, you know, I think this Wolves thing was a little overblown. I think, you know, I, I still think Agudelo is, is 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 holding out. It's been reported now, obviously, that, that he's in, in the process of trying to secure um, uh, a, uh, EU passport, which would allow him to play in England, and he wouldn't he wouldn't even need a work permit, I think, at that point. Um, he's The reports are that he's in the process of trying to do that. I don't know if that's coming off or not, but if it comes off, I think the, his move to Stoke City could absolutely still happen. Um, so I think, if anything, that's probably more on his mind than a Wolves move ever was. Uh, bringing it back home, Ivis, in NASL, they agreed to terms with Spanish striker and former Real Madrid player Raul. I mean, what do you make of this move by the Cosmos? I feel like we touched about it, the reports, a few weeks ago, but it's finally official now. Uh, I mean, what do, you, what do you make of this, the Cosmos bringing him in? Yes, the Cosmos have signed it. Not the NASL. Yes, this I'm sorry, MLS. I'm sorry. MLS, MLS does things their way. The NSL, uh, NASL, they do things like the rest of the world does things when it comes to that. So the Cosmos <laughs> have signed Raul. Uh, you know, big, big for them. Obviously, I think he. You know, I know, I know the jokes will come out. Oh, he's all these, he's washed up. Blah, blah. The guy's still quality. I'm sorry, folks. There's plenty of teams, plenty of teams around the world in top leagues around the world that would take Raul in a heartbeat. Today, so I don't think any. I think anyone who, who wants to act like this guy can't walk anymore, or this guy can't score goals anymore, get like re- relax. The guy can still play. So I think it's still a positive for them. I think that you know the the knowledge that he brings, the, the what he can, uh, the wisdom he can impart on, on players at, at the Cosmos, especially younger players. You got American players on the Cosmos. I think that's going to help. I think that's going to help them. I think it helps the NASL obviously raise the profile of that league and. 
it's a positive step. And I know some people will look at it and say, oh, retirement league, and why, why do you waste your money on these big, on these older players? You know what? You have to factor in so many other things that you don't, that I think it's easy to ignore, but you, you have to account for the, the exposure that it helps bring the Cosmos, it helps bring the NASL. Um, the guy's a legend. He's a legend. So, and, and you know what? If he has a positive experience, maybe it makes it that much easier for the next couple of guys to come in to the NESL. Um, so that, that that's a bit, it's nothing but positive. Um, I think anyone, I know, and I know there's this kind of adversarial thing between the NESL and MLS, and I know there's MLS fans who kind of thumb their noses at NESL. I know there's MLS fans who, uh, on some level, maybe feel threatened by NESL, and maybe there's MLS fans who just take NESL as a joke and they don't realize that it's a growing league and it's a it's a strengthening league. Um, I think for American soccer, it's good to have NASL getting strong, getting uh, mm-hmm. more more financially secure. Um, and I'm sure NASL and people from NASL would argue, well, it would help NASL if MLS stopped stealing their teams, right? I mean, but that's a whole other argument. Uh, a strong NASL is good for American soccer, and I think people need to realize that. Moving over to some European action, Ivis, the first El Clasico of the season is on Saturday, and just amazing that it's also possibly, uh, no, it is the debut of Luis Suarez, who will play in this game. Uh, Just amazing that he just happens to be back for this first game of the season. Who do you got in this one, Real Madrid or Barcelona? Well, first thing I want to say is, uh, yeah, this is going to be, it's going to be like Super Bowl Sunday in other households, in my household, because my kids love Barcelona. Uh, and and they also like Cristiano Ronaldo, so you know what? They, they, I'm gonna I'm gonna since I, I'm not I'm not here for the World Cup. I'm always at the World Cup, so I I, I can't do like the watch parties, like the World Cup watch. I, I miss out on the World Cup watch parties. Uh, I know, poor me. Um, but yeah, it sounds I, horrible. Feel really yeah, bad for you right now. Yeah, it Davis. sucks. I have to like be there. I know it's so bad. For, hashtag first world problems. Um, but this, this come on, man. This is it, man. If you're look, if you're a soccer fan. Mm-hmm. You need to be watching El Clasico. I don't care how you do it. You have to watch it. It's the best game in the world. And, and yes, we can have all the debates about all these other Bayern Munich and all these other leagues. And team. Look, you can't put two teams like the, the collection of talent is just unmatched when you get Barcelona and Real Madrid. Even more this year with, with, with the additions of Suarez on one side and James and Tony Cruz on the other side. So much talent. So much talent. And, and then the rivalry. You get the rivalry. Like, it's a game you have to watch. You ha- I tell any soccer fan that listen, anybody listening to this show, if you haven't made plans yet, if you need to make plans. If you haven't uh, figured out somewhere to watch it, if you have it, or, or if you can watch it at home and invite some people over. They, like, this really, I mean, this is, not to say this is the most important game of the year for American fans, no, but this is, this, this is the kind of game you want to watch with a lot of people because it's it's gonna be good, man. It's gonna it, it, it's uh, I'm I'm gonna have a little watch party. I'm, I'm gonna have all the, 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 the snacks out. I have to get all the kids my kids my kids together. My seven year old absolutely loves Barcelona. He's seven. He loves Lionel Messi. He he wants to see every Barcelona game. It, it's crazy. So. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch, and it should be an amazing game. What what kind of snacks could I expect if I ever came to one of your watch parties? Well, I've never had one. This is my first one. So, I'll, no, I'll just I'll ask the kids what they want. No, you know, we'll have some Cool Ranch Doritos and some cheese doodles and you know stuff the kids like the snacks. But uh, you know what? It's just it's just going to be fun just to watch them watch that game because I know they're going to be into it. 
Uh, and then, uh, well, I, you're right. I mean, driving around Phoenix, I, there's billboards all over town uh, advertising for the for the game on Saturday, which kind of surprised me. Really? Yeah, nice. Yeah. It, lots of. I was like, I was like walking. I was like, I was like, I'm not like I'm awake, right? Like, I, I, it's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, it, and it, and that's the thing, right? I know, and it, and it gets back to this whole kind of undercurrent of a of a civil war in a way between MLS fans and European fans, uh, or fans or soccer fans, American soccer fans who prefer European soccer. And I know there's the whole Euro snob label, and I get that. Um, and, I, and I've and i been guilty in the past of using that that term as well. But for me, I don't I, – like, I've kind of come around on it in a sense that I don't think American soccer fans are obligated to like MLS. They're not. They're not obligated to like MLS. My Like, what I will take issue with is, is the people who actually go out of their way to bash people who choose to follow MLS. Like, I think that's pointless. I think that's – like, you know what, if you want to like something else, go ahead and like that. Like, but don't tell these people that they shouldn't like what they like. Like, it, like the analogy I've always, I've always given is like, it, it, it'd, be, it'd be if like you're a fan of this famous band, right? Or this fame, yeah, who's like the most famous band of a particular kind of music, right? And then you go uh, to like the local bar where like a cover band is performing and you rip the people at that bar because they're watching this and like, what are you doing watching this? You should be you should be trying to go to a concert for the real band. Like it's like settle down. Like if people want to enjoy it, let them enjoy what they want to enjoy. And on the other but on the other end of the coin, um, no one should be critical of people who just prefer to see European soccer or prefer you know because it's better. It's better. Like let's just we can't like get out. Can take the blinders off. Stop living in denial. You know what? It's just European soccer is better. The top leagues are clearly better. La Liga, Premier League, uh, Bundesliga, Serie A. And a game like this, it, I mean, if you are a soccer fan, if you love the sport and you you, you want to see it played at its best, watch it. Watch European soccer. It's not – there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you can be an MLS fan who also likes European soccer. Like, I, you should like it. You should like them both for me. You should you should kind of try to watch both. Um, so, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but just – I just find it kind of funny. Like it's almost as if people, I, I get this sense like there's there's MLS fans who, who who avoid European soccer as if it's like taboo. You can't watch both, and that's crazy. Like listen, folks, watch you you need to watch that game, and and also Chelsea Man United. I yep. mean, I mean, there'd be a lot of talent on display in that game as well. I know Chelsea be the favorite and all that, but you you need to watch these games. Like don't 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 just watch MLS. Um, and on the other side of the coin, I would tell the European fans, the ones who haven't really gotten into MLS, you know what? Watch Seattle LA this weekend. Watch Sounders Galaxy. Two mm-hmm. best teams in the league. Uh, yeah, sure. There's a lot of ugly games that that I would never recommend anyone to watch who isn't into MLS. But that's a game you should watch, even if you're not someone who follows MLS. You know what? If you just follow European soccer, uh, if you if even the people who only watch like the top leagues or only watch the English Premier League, and we know there's a million people who only watch the English Premier League, I would say watch Galaxy uh, Sounders. It, it, you know what? It, it, it maybe you won't consider it that, at, at the same technical level as as you know watching Chelsea Arsenal or anything like that, but it still should be a pretty good game, and I think you should watch it or watch the playoffs, which start next week, which right. is equally well, as I, good. Absolutely, watch the playoffs. Playoffs are going to be pretty intense. Um, so that's all, man. I, I just think, just it's funny because in the wake of all the promotion and relegation talk, right, with Jordan Klinsman kind of putting his backing behind it and, and stirring up that hornet's nest, and and you've seen these Twitter 
battles, right? These these and and, and there's like there's the side who, who bashes on MLS day and night, uh, and then there's the side that, that that obviously defends MLS, but then bashes European soccer in the process, or, or bashes people who choose to watch European soccer. Um, and yes, are there people who kind of spoil the argument or spoil the spoil the debate, uh, and and just seem to be way too intent on 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 killing MLS? And look, MLS has its flaws. I absolutely I say it all the time. I talk about them all the time. MLS needs to get better. MLS the way they run things needs to improve. Uh, they need to you know they need to get out of a lot of the habits that they have. That's all well and good. But MLS has some redeeming qualities. MLS is an improving league. And I just think people who who choose to completely ignore MLS uh, under under any circumstances and aren't willing to be open about trying to, trying to watch it even at its best, like I, I, I find that I find that to be a bit of an extreme. Yeah, I I'm with you on that one. It's just it's 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 it's, yeah, it's taboo for both sides. Oh, I can't watch this. I can't watch that. It's it's right. yeah. Watch good whatever. soccer. It doesn't matter what it is. Watch it. It, you know, you know, give it a chance. The MLS, MLS. If you're an MLS fan, watch a couple of uh, European games. You know what? Put the TiVo, get Chelsea, Man U. You don't want to wake up, crack of dawn or early in the morning, watch these, you know, Premier League games. TiVo it. You know, pick the best game. Watch some of it. Watch some La Liga. Watch some Liga MX. And I, I you get, I know you get the the U.S. national team fans who are like, oh, man, I hate Mexico. I can't, I can't, I can't watch. Like, no, you know what? It, it, it should be about the sport and appreciating it, and played at a good level and and and, and entertaining soccer. And league, the Mexican league is great, man. They have great games. You have a lot of skill. Um, there's and there's Americans there. Tijuana, you got Garza, you got Corona, uh, you know, you got Castillo and Atlas, you got Hercules Gomez. Like, there's Americans there too. So, like, uh, just I, I think anybody who li- who who intentionally limits themselves and limits the uh, the soccer that they watch, I think it's pointless, folks. I think it's pointless, and I think you're missing out, and I don't think you're fully appreciating or getting the full experience of being an American soccer fan uh, when you had it so good. I mean, think about 20 years ago when there was nothing, when you couldn't see. You were lucky you'd see one game a week, you know? Like, we have it so good now, and then you got people who are just totally wasting that. By drawing up these ridiculous and pointless, uh, you know, battle lines and, and restrictions on themselves, watch good soccer. That's all I'll say. I agree, Ivis. Well, uh, we've reached the end of the show, man. Anything else uh, that we need to talk about before uh, before I let you go? No, man. That was my little soapbox moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I don't know if you want to do a little. Q- uh, we, we might have questions for the Q and A. Let me see, let me see if we got. Eh, no, we didn't get that many. It was. It's so funny how. I'll put up a tweet about questions at like 1 a.m. and get way more answers than if we did, you know, if we did it at like 10. A- I did it at 10 a.m. Everyone should be awake, but we'll save that for the next show. No, everyone's still sleeping. It's Friday, man. Everyone's checked out mentally. <laughs> oh, that explains a lot for you. Oh, yeah. I've already checked out. <laughs> <laughs> you never che- you never checked in. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, Ivis, I'm going to let you go, man. Anything anything else that we need to cover before uh, before I let you go? Now we got a lot covered, and uh, I think this, is, this show might not even be that long. No, uh, it's only an hour ten. <laughs> oh, all right, I guess it was long. It's a little right. long. I blame uh, my rant. I blame my rant. Yeah, I, I'll blame. I'll blame you for that one too. Uh, all right, Evis. Well, uh, I'll let you go, man. You have a good day. You have a good weekend, and I'll and I'll touch base with you on Sunday, man. Yes, sir.
And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. That's Ivis Kolarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. And we'll be back again on Monday morning. This is the SBS Show.